0: Good morning, morning, morning. we are so glad that you're at the Central Church, we're glad that you are joining us online, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're in a study all summer long called the Gospel of God, which is really the book of Romans. We've been using these journals, giving out about 950 of them, and we're working our way through the book of Romans. And here Paul is saying, I want you to present your bodies, you're not going to be dead like a lamb or a dove, but a living sacrifice. Which is holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship don't you think that should be which is your physical worship? you're presenting your bodies to God, shouldn't that be your your physical worship? He says that's your spiritual worship it's it's we're presenting our bodies to God, that should be our our physical worship- but he says it's earth. Let's talk a little bit about worship. Worship, sometimes when you hear people say that today in our vernacular, man, that was great worship. What they mean is the choir, like they just did, they just hit it out of the park. You know, that, that means that the music was good. That means sometimes that means, oh, the preacher didn't put me to sleep this week. That's what that means. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. And sometimes when you put that word spiritual in front of the word worship, then we think, oh, I know what he means. He means like, like when we're quiet, like what we did this week, when we're, when we're by ourselves and we're praying, and, or, or maybe when you're at a retreat and the, and the speaker says, listen, go off for 30 minutes and spend some time with God. That means, all right, we're gonna be quiet. We're gonna settle ourselves down. We're gonna listen, maybe pray, maybe read our Bible. Spiritual worship. But I don't think Paul is making that distinction here. He's saying we're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That holy and pleasing to God. What is God's will for me? God's will for you is that you present your body as a living sacrifice. That means... That means I think where Paul is coming from is that in our whole our comings and our goings in our everyday walking in our in our work in our school wherever we are we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing unto God. Have you done that? Have you recognized that everything you have from Him through Him for Him and as a result of that I am presenting my body as a living sacrifice. Let's get real practical. What does that mean? I think that means this. We present uh, the parts of our body. Uh, We present our mouth. Is your mouth pleasing to God? Now, I don't mean that you have to sing like, you know, members of the choir, not like Nate. You don't want me to sing. That would not be pleasing to (laughs) you, the Lord, or anybody else, you know. Make a joyful noise. That's me. But have you given your mouth over to the Lord? Here, I'll give you an example of that. Um, we had a lady who invited her neighbor to church, which is a wonderful thing. I hope all of you invite your neighbors to church. This lady invited her neighbor to church and her neighbor said that she would come. One problem, her neighbor only speaks Spanish, doesn't speak English. And so her neighbor started coming to church and, and this lady from Central was, was trying to translate the sermon in real time using Google Translate. Do you know how hard that is? so she would pick up a word and you know kind of say it in spanish in her own you know english version spanish trying to figure it out and the lady kept coming kept coming to church and so she told me this i said listen we got to do something better than that and so so we needed a translator who could actually translate and and we have a guy manny uh rosa who attends our church who who speaks spanish and so we talked to manny and then we said listen We don't want you just kinda whispering over her shoulder, but how about if we get some translation equipment and and you can use that and you'll be in another room and I'll send you my manuscript and you can you can use the manuscript and as the service is going on it'll go right into her ear. And so so we did that. It was like eight or nine hundred dollars. Is it worth eight or nine hundred dollars, one person, one lady, one dear lady who doesn't speak English so that she can hear the service? Well, we thought it was worth it. And so so that was has been going on for a few months now. Well that lady's husband also doesn't speak english right he's in he's in the hospital this week you know our pastors we could go up there and pray with them he would they wouldn't understand a word word any of us said and so so we called manny manny could you go up to the hospital so manny went up to the hospital and you know the lady was there and her husband who was sick and manny started translating for the nurses and helping out and then manny prayed And Manny had this conversation, and Manny, bless his heart, using his mouth for the Lord, led him to the Lord. This week. This week. Manny, man! Hooray! Using his mouth for the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Are you using your mouth for the Lord? Are you using your eyes? Do you see things the way God sees things? are using your eyes you see the things that as god sees them here i'll give you an example of that uh, my roommate uh, best man in our wedding work for an organization called heart to heart heart to heart to I- uh, international is a nonprofit organization that provides medical supplies they'll be in haiti for sure this week um, and they supplies, supply medical supplies to needy places and, and send doctors and, and different things like that well, on one of their trips, they went to Calcutta and they were working with the, the Sisters of Charity, they, um, the Mother Teresa's organization. And uh, they were at, at that, as this story goes, they were in a place call, called, um, I wrote it down so I'd get it right, Nirmal Herday, which translates means home for destitute and dying. Well, Nirmal Herday had uh, two wards, a men's ward and a female ward. And there were 40 beds on each side. They were just—I shouldn't say beds. They were cots, and they and the and every bed was full, and they just had you know like rough sheets over them, and there was a number painted on the wall above each cot, one through forty on each side, and it was a place that we would call it a hospice, a hospice ward. That's probably what we would call it. Everyone who went there was dying. No, none of them had family. Home for destitute and dying. None of them had family. None. Zero. And so they'd go to this place to die. Well, a lady from heart to heart, Suzanne Pitts was her name, she went and she was just there for a few weeks. And on a mission trip, she was like scrubbing the floors. She was making lunches. Sometimes she'd just hold hands with the the people who were destitute and dying. Well, she was working and then she went over, she was working on the men's side, made lunch, went over to the women's side. And she saw there was this lady who was extremely arthritic. Totally, you know, she, she, she couldn't, her, her hands were so crippled. So Suzanne went over there to offer to, to help her uh, feed herself because she was trying to feed herself and it was just a mess. And she went over there and she asked if she could help her. And a lady in a very um, refined British accent said, no thank you, I can, I can manage. Well, Suzanne found out that this lady's name was Lucy And that Lucy had been an orphan and the the nuns of Mother Teresa, they raised Lucy, they educated her. She went off to work and then uh, she found out seven years prior that she had this crippling disease. And she was there now to spend the last days of her life. While they were talking, uh, uh, Suzanne heard Lucy just kind of shouted out, number 34. Sister, sister, number 34. And Suzanne noticed that. a uh, nun went over to uh, number thirty-four. He said, Lucy, I was only, I was I was working throughout and I and I it just dawned on me. I've been hearing your voice and you've been hearing you call out these numbers all morning long. You're like a, you're like the, 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 the nurse's assistant. And Lucy looked over at Suzanne and said, All I have left is my voice. In my eyes and I have determined to give them to Christ see that's what I'm talking about living sacrifice what do I have I want it to be for Christ he has done everything that I have is from him through him for him and so because of that I want to be a living sacrifice I want to give him my eyes my mouth whatever I have my hands I want to give him my hands our funeral crew who makes Funeral dinners, you know, they're chopping up the salad. They're making all the stuff. They're using their hands for Jesus. When Dr. Stoker takes a team of doctors and folks to Panama and treats patients out and wherever, you know, treating their, using their hands for Jesus. When Gary Queen and our facility crew come in here and clean up the sanctuary after, there sometimes we can be pigs in here. You know, there's... How could you make such a mess? We're only in here for an hour. We can do it. And they come in. What are they? They're using their hands for Jesus. We're using our feet. When I pastored Metropolitan Church in Roseville, we had a guy on Sunday nights, we would have a time where people could share what Jesus had done in their life that week. Testimony time. Every single time, every single time, John Castile would pop up. I knew, I never had to wonder, is anyone gonna share? Because John always shared every week. Whatever was going on. He could have been in sick in bed all week and he would have stood up and shared, you know, what God had done. And he always, always, always ended his testimony with these words. Where he leads me, I will follow. What John was saying was, I'm giving my I'm giving my feet to Jesus. If he wants me to go across the street, if he wants me to go across the world, if he wants me to go wherever, my feet are his feet, I'm going. A living sacrifice. Have you given your all to Jesus? That's what we're talking about here. Living sacrifice. Oh my goodness. That's verse one. We've got 21 verses. Do not be conformed to this world I wish we could camp out here for a week. Do not be conformed to this world. My brothers and sisters, hear this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing you may discern what the will of God is, his good and acceptable and perfect will. How do I know what the will of God is? You you are recognize that all things are from him, through him, for him. As such, I have offered myself as a living sacrifice and I am transformed. I'm not conformed. I am transformed by the power of his will. And when I do that, then he reveals himself more and more and more. And the more that I seek him, the more that, he, that I find him and I am transformed by him. That's what this is talking about. Then he goes on through chapter, verses three through eight and talks about what that means. When a group of people who, are, who recognize that all things are from him, through him, for him. When a group of people who have said, I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice. When a group of people say, I, w- I recognize that I don't want to be conformed to this world. Rather, I want to be transformed by the power of God. When a group of people get that, then they form this beautiful body of Christ. And they discover they can do more through him than they could ever do on their own. And they form this group in this body and they're not all the same. They have different gifts and different abilities. And when they start using those different gifts and abilities for Jesus because they are living sacrifice and somebody has a has great voice or somebody has great hands or somebody goes where they need to go and they all start using those gifts for his glory, it's a wonderful thing. And so he lays it all out in verses verses, uh, three through eight. Having gifts that are different according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, prophecy. Maybe it's service. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's contributing generosity. Maybe it's leading. Maybe it's act of mercy. Using them for his glory. That's what we're talking about here. That's a beautiful thing. And then we get to part, oh good. Then we get to the part I say, oh, good, because I want us to really dig into verses 9 through 21. If ever there's a pandemic again, required reading Romans 12, 9 through 21. We need to read. We're going to work our way through because this is such an important passage. So if you don't have this, take the Bible in front of you. It's on page 56. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Required reading for our times. Verse 9. Let your love be genuine. Not fake. Not phony. Not smooch, smooch, smooch. Stab you in the back. None of that. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. <sighs> There's a lot to abhor. Abhor. And we don't abhor what is evil so much anymore. Um, we recognize it, maybe. We tolerate it. We wink at it. Abhor human trafficking. Abhor abortion. Abhor pornography. Abhor violence in our city. Abhor racism. Abhor evil. Abhor... Make Let it be where it makes you sick, almost sick to your stomach, so abhorrent. Hold fast to what is good, hold fast to Jesus, hold fast to those things when evil is going around. I am not conformed to this world, I am holding fast to Jesus. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. I love this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Make it a contest. How can we outdo one another? I know too many people, too many churches, they try to outdo one another in, you know, what they're wearing, um, outdo one another what they're driving, you know. A church is not meant to be a place where you're seen. Church is not meant to be a country club. Church is meant to be a hospital for the sick and the hurt and the broken. And it's saying, come here. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna try to outdo one another in showing honor. We're gonna try to outdo one another in our sincere love. We're gonna try to outdo one another. That's the contest. The message version of that says says um, that we should, should, practice playing second fiddle i like that translation verse 11 don't be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the lord be fervent in spirit serve the lord are you serving where are you serving serve the lord don't just be a taker don't just come and suck in everything at church. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Find places where you can serve. Verse 12, maybe my favorite verse in this whole thing. Rejoice in hope. We Christians are hopeful. We can say there's a lot of abhorrent things going on in our society, but we are hopeful. Why are we hopeful? Because Jesus wins, of course. We are rejoice in hope. We are We are prisoners of hope, as Zechariah said. We are full of hope. Why? Jesus wins. Jesus always wins. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. How can I be patient in tribulation? The NIV says affliction. How can I be patient? Because Jesus wins. I'm rejoicing in hope. And so I am patient in affliction. Patient in tribulation. And constant. This is a great verse for after 163 straight hours of prayer. And constant in prayer. You see, again, we when you are patient in affliction, you're not just sitting around doing nothing. You are constant in prayer. You are constant in prayer to the one who wins in the end. That's why we can be hopeful. I am constant in prayer, not, not woe is me. I am constant in prayer because I am full of hope because I know Jesus is going to work even if I don't see how Jesus is going to work, even if I think there's no way Jesus is going to work, even if I, I don't see any way that this can c- turn out good. Wait, Jesus is at work. Of course it can be good rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality be generous not just with your money be generous with your time isn't that what hospitality is it's saying oh we're going to take care of you we're going to welcome you i'm going to be generous with my time i'm going to be generous with my resources bless those who persecute you verse 14 says bless And do not curse them. Oh, that's so hard to do. When people are mean, when they're goobers. Oh. Why didn't he say something else? Why didn't he say, bless those who are nice to you. Curse those who are mean to you occasionally. It's saying, wait a minute. Everything I have is from him, through him, for him. I have presented myself as a living sacrifice. I am not gonna conform, that's what the way the world would do, the world is the one that, that, that curses. I am not gonna conform to the world, rather I'm gonna be transformed by Jesus and what that means is I no longer, it's not my rights anymore. I've given up my rights, why? Because I'm a living sacrifice. I've given up my rights to be right, why? Because I'm a living sacrifice. I've given up my rights to even, even curse them or be upset with them or whatever because he has called me to bless them. Who, the goobers, the ones who have persecuted you, the ones who have caused you trouble. I Bless those. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's one of the best jobs of pastor. I get to hang out. You know, yesterday I got to hang out at a graduation party, last one of the season. And I get to hang out and rejoice. But then I get to weep with those that weep. All parts of life. Do not be haughty. Don't, don't, we're all sinners saved by grace. Don't get too stuck on yourself. Never be wise in your own sight. Come on. (laughs) Everything I have is not from me. It's from him, through him, for him. How can I be haughty about that? Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable circle this in the sight of all not just in the sight of my friends in the sight of all if possible oh this is an important verse are you ready so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all in a social media world live peaceably with all in a mask, no mask world, live peaceably with all. Vaccine, no vaccine world, live peaceably with all. In a crazy mixed up world, live peaceably with all. Did you read that? It's right there. I've got it in orange. You might highlight it in something else. Romans twelve nine through 21 should be required reading for everyone during a pandemic. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the wrath of God for it's written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay this, Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Remember Jesus' words? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I need a cloth. you clothed me. I, I was sick, you looked after me, I was in prison. You can't remember Jesus saying that? And the sheep said, wait a minute, wait a minute, we never saw you hungry, thirsty, in prison, Jesus. And the goat said, wait a minute, wait a minute, we never saw you hungry, thirsty, Jesus. And Jesus' words are, whatever you've done to the least of these, that's what you did to me. It's acting like Jesus. Romans 12, 9 through 21, it's, it's saying, we're gonna act like Jesus. That's what it's saying act like Jesus. When you recognize that all things are from him, through him, for him. When you have offered yourself as a living sacrifice. When you have been transformed by the power of God. When you are associating with others who are just like that in the body of Christ. When that plays out in real life means we're going to start acting like Jesus. And when we act like Jesus, he goes on to say, you know, for those that that think differently they'll be burning coals on their heads it's up to God not up to you do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good remember what Paul is doing here he's trying to build the church in Rome he recognizes that a church the church for the Christian church to be established it has to be established in Rome it's the capital of the world everything flows through Rome he needed a strong church in Rome he was desperate for a strong church they didn't have the Bible like we have the Bible it wasn't written yet so he's sending them this letter and saying this is it here's the plan of salvation he wrestles in chapters 9 through 11 and then in chapter 12 he gets into the nitty-gritty you have have recognized that all things are from him through him for him you've you've offered yourself as a living sacrifice you've been transformed by the power of God you've formed this Christian body now you've gotta be strong, you've gotta last. You desperately have gotta last. Because you're in Rome for crying out loud. I passed my first church, as you know, was the Bad Axe Church of the Nazarene in Bad Axe, Michigan. And as you know, I love to say that I was a Bad Axe pastor. You had to enunciate it properly, but that's, that's what I was we got to that church so I think our first Sunday there was 40, 45 people. Um, they were good people. They were living in harmony with one another. and we had a hundred our last couple Sundays we had 150 people. kids were sitting on the floor because there was no room in the pews. every pew was taken, every spot was taken and the church exploded and it was growing and it was awesome. And the next pastor was Daryl Blank, who's now at Cincinnati Springdale, and he did an awesome job. And I haven't been back, I haven't been back since my last sermon in August 1992. Our district superintendent was there last week. That's what I'm telling you. Why are you telling us about bad acts? Our district superintendent was there last week. Dr. Kitsko, our assistant district superintendent. There were present people who attend the church. Five people. That church church is ready for a funeral, you see. And if we were to do an autopsy on that church, we would see, well, now some of them, some of them went to heaven, right? Stickneys, they went to heaven. But if we were to do an autopsy on the Bad Axe Church of the Nazarene, we would find that somewhere along the line, they weren't in harmony anymore. Somewhere along the line, they weren't showing hospitality anymore. Somewhere along the line, their love wasn't sincere anymore. along the line. They missed it. say, Pastor, what does that have to do with us? I'll tell you what that has to do with us. We're a great church too. I'm biased. I'm so stinking biased. I love this church. We're a great church. But you know what? They were a great church. And 30 years later, they're a dead church. And if we want to be alive in 30 years, we got to live into Romans 12. We've got to recognize that everything we have is for him, through him, from him, through him, for him. We've got to recognize that we've got to be a living sacrifice. It's not us. It's about Jesus. We've got to say, we don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to be transformed by Jesus Christ. We want to be the type of church that cares for one another and use our gifts together. That our love is sincere and that we're in harmony and that we love one another. And even when people have hurt us, we bless them, not curse them. We want to be the type of church that says we are one, not for our sake, but for Jesus' sake. If we're not that, let's dig a hole and stick us in it because we're dead. My brothers and sisters, we can't die we pray it nearly every Sunday we want God's kingdom to come in Flint as it is in heaven our city, our city needs Jesus our county needs Jesus they need a church like Central Church not a dead Central Church and alive living for Jesus Romans 12 Central Church